From COK Studios in Tom Ashbrook's Ashtray, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. On today's show, we'll consider the Republican shadow campaign that has begun for the 2020 election. We'll also consider some listener questions in a special Ask Alex edition of Consider Your Health. And we'll consider Beans Beans the Musical Fruit. The more you eat, the more you toot. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from Criminally Insane Harry's Discount Mattress Factory and Wall Padding Emporium. These prices aren't just crazy, they're borderline schizophrenic. Come in today and get a free straitjacket. And the John R., Catherine L., Howard D., Francis M., Gerald B., Joan S., Raymond Q., Leslie P., William E., Emily T., David O., Mary W., and George J. Granberg Family Foundation. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. President Trump's first term is just eight months in, but leaders in his own party have begun what amounts to a shadow campaign for the 2020 presidential election. Senators Tom Cotton and Ben Sass have already been to Iowa this year. Governor John Kasich is planning a return visit to New Hampshire. And Vice President Mike Pence's schedule is so full of political events that Republicans joke he is acting more like a second-term vice president, gearing up for his own run at the White House. These possible candidates to unseat President Trump have been cozying up to key conservative donors and interest groups and carefully enhancing their profiles. Vice President Pence has already created his own PAC, the Great America Committee. These moves are all the more shocking because of the timing and the fact that the current president has given no indication that he will not seek a second term. The growing amount of chaos around the Trump White House seems to be enough to make top Republican officeholders within Trump's own team take these unheard of political steps. Dinah investigated this growing shadow campaign and what it means for the already weak Trump administration. In interviews with Republicans at every level of the party, many expressed widespread uncertainty about whether Donald Trump would be on the ballot in 2020. Sadly, very few of them would go on the record. In fact, when I turned on my tape recorder, they quickly changed their tune. Yeah, that's why I think I'm going to run in 2020. This guy's been a complete disaster. Wait, wait, wait. Are you recording this? I think he's been tremendous. I mean, <laughs> Trump all the way. Four more years, am I right? <laughs> Make America great again. I heard his approval ratings back up around like 38 or something. I mean, so much approval. You got, you got that right. The shadow campaign is in full swing, whether people want to admit it or not. One high-ranking Republican who refused to be alone with a female reporter spoke to us on the condition of anonymity and only if two of his male aides came with him. We've disguised his voice to sound like a sassy gay man. Am I thinking about running in 2020? Yes, yes I am. I think that there's a very high likelihood that I'll need to run given how things are going right now. I've spent many hours praying over it, and I think I'm the man to lead our party and our country into the 20th century. But we're in the 21st century, though. I know that! Some reports say you've begun to line up donors for the run in 2020. I have spoken to some donors, yes, it's true. Mm -hmm. But I will only run if President Trump doesn't, and only if God tells me to. How do your wife and children feel about it? 
I've talked it over with mother and she will follow me as I follow the Lord. I can't have her in meetings with donors, though. It's too complicated for a delicate woman's brain. I see. Now, you said you'd change my voice to sound like Charlton Heston or Jesus, right? Of course. That's super! Other Republicans, like Ohio Governor John Kasich, have been more outspoken about their plans to challenge Trump. But the majority of them are keeping their plans on the down low, for now. Fine, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm planning to run in 2020, but, but so are lots of people. I'll give you some names. Will you, will you keep my name out of it, though? Really? Yeah, I just don't want my name out there in case I end up working for the Trump administration when Jeff Sessions and Rex Tillerson quit. Oh, God. I shouldn't have said that. Ugh, I didn't mean quit. I meant, I'm, I obviously meant stay. They're staying. They're not quitting. Everything's fine. Like, nobody's quitting. So much staying is going on right now. I mean, ugh, go bother Tom Cotton or Nikki Haley or, or Pence. That dead-eyed freak wants to be president so bad. Oh, we know. With internal strife giving way to external challenges, it sounds as if we might not even need to wait until 2020 for the shadow campaign to be thrust into the light. For COK News, I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. You're listening to Consider Our Knowledge. Now we turn to our Consider Your Health series. Alex Truman is with us in the studio today to take your questions on any pressing health issues you might have. Glad to have you back, Alex. Always good to be here, Cotter. Now let's get right to our first listener question. It's from Heinrich in Argentina. Hello, Heinrich. Hi. I mean, hi. How are you? Uh, we're fine. What's your question? I am curious about these reports I am hearing of scientists successfully editing the DNA in human embryos. Uh, what exactly is your question? Is this true? Well, yes. The new research is ultimately aimed at helping families plagued by genetic diseases. The latest experiment used a powerful new gene editing technique to correct a genetic defect behind a heart disorder that could cause seemingly healthy young people to suddenly die from heart failure. That is very exciting. Could that same technique be used to help make someone invincible? Say, a clone of an important leader, perhaps. I think that work like this treads dangerously close to eugenics, which could ultimately be very harmful. Genetically modifying babies is a very slippery slope. It is not slippery at all. It is the opposite of slippery. It is very not slippery. We are in need of this to continue our work. I must go. There's a Mossad agent at the door again. Auf Wiedersehen. That, that was creepy. Yeah. Uh, next, we have an email from Helen in Indianapolis. No, I have a friend named Helen in Indianapolis I just visited. I think this is her. Dear Alex, you left your inhaler at my house the other day. Do you want me to send it to you? Oh, that is so sweet of Helen. No, 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 that's okay. I buy my inhalers by the gross, so just toss it. Her kids probably got their gerbs all over it anyway. Ugh. All right. Well, now we have a call from Seth in Baton Rouge. What's your question for Alex, Seth? Hey guys, love the show. I was wondering if you've heard of how they're using that Komodo dragon blood to make new antibiotics. It sounds badass. <laughs> that is right. Scientists from George Mason University recently isolated a substance in the blood of a Komodo dragon that appeared to have powerful germ-killing abilities. 
The race to find new antibiotics has taken on increased urgency as more and more bacteria develop resistance to existing drugs. It probably has something to do with how reptiles could survive grievous wounds, including lost limbs, in filthy environments without getting infected. So, so if I get these antibiotics, I could have I could have dragon powers. That is so tight. Well, hold on, Seth. It is still in the very experimental stages. I think it's highly unlikely that anyone will be getting dragon blood antibiotics anytime soon. Oh, seriously, that bums me out. I can tell you that it is pretty cool to be injected with dragon blood, though. Wait, Alex, you've had the dragon antibiotic? <laughs> oh, yes. I have such a long history of using antibiotics for all my many ailments that they do virtually nothing for me anymore. I was one of the first people on the list to test out the new dragon blood antibiotic. Did it work? It seems to. I have to say, I feel like Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. Nothing can stop me now that I have dragon blood in my veins. Well, it's not real dragon blood, though. It's just reptile blood. Just call me Alex Stornborn of the House Truman. Dragon mother, inhaler of steroids, applier of ointments, lancer of boils, the rosacea queen, the pale-skinned lady, Khaleesi of the hyperbaric chamber, and protector of the realm. Okay. Well, I think I'll just keep calling you Alex. As you wish, peasant. Thanks for coming by, Dragon Mother. My raid has just begun! Kakaris! That was Consider Your Health with Alex Truman. Now it's time for this week's Big Little Wins, because it's important to recognize wins, no matter how small they are. A round of applause for Scarlett O'Hara of Terra, Georgia, for turning those velvet curtains into such a fetching frock. That scoundrel Rep Butler won't stand a chance against your womanly wiles. Frankly, my dear, that's a big little win. Our other big little win comes from Harry Zucker of Amity Island, Massachusetts, who just bought a new hat. That's a badass hat, Harry. Congratulations. If you'd like to share your big little wins with us, post on our Facebook page or send us a tweet. That's all for this week's episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you want more from the best-looking news team in public radio, visit ConsiderOurKnowledge.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for breaking news at ConsiderOurKnow. You can download the podcast at iTunes and at Stitcher.com. The COK team includes Emily Clausen, Jeremiah Knight, Natalie Thorpe, Marianne Wetzel, Hobart Willis, and Spencer Cannon. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. I have some... <laughs> <laughs>